the Mall of America is so exciting. Walking around, seeing all these cool stores, the flag store, the great train store. Oh, man, I want to get that train. Yeah, Whoa. yeah, yeah. Macho Man Randy Savage, why are, you, why are you here? I'm here with World Championship Wrestling tonight. We're having the first episode of Monday Nitro. You should come and watch me wrestle tonight. Uh, I'd rather just buy a train. See ya. Come back, Hulk Hogan's here. From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Pastry, Minnesota, you downloaded Maine Event Status Radio with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210, and the Dirty Dog How's it going, everybody? It's the Dirty Dog Darcy on Medivin Status Radio with the greatest broadcast journalist partner I could ask for, Mr. Beverly Hills 90210. How's it going, Beverly? Oh, it's going great, man. A brief vacation for the Beverly Hills man, but I'm more than happy to be back with the Dirty Dog. Hopefully, you and Mrs. Hills enjoy the. The one weekend vacation I gave you guys last weekend. Oh, it was a great time. We went to the cabin. We sat on the pontoon. We got some wedding stuff done. It was a good. It was a good time. But I'm ready to be back. I'm ready to talk nitro. Talk about nitro. It was an explosion of a time going back to September fourth, nineteen ninety five, to talk about the very first edition of World Championship Wrestling's Monday Nitro from. Bloomington, Minnesota? <laughs> no. Well, I, that was one note I put down. It is in Bloomington, Minnesota, but they kept saying Minneapolis. I suppose Minneapolis is a bigger deal than Bloomington. Yeah, so. since the, yeah, mo- most people know of Minneapolis over Bloomington, so it's fair yeah, enough. true. Close enough, whatever. I guess we'll give Eric Bischoff and WCW some, uh, <laughs> I guess we'll let, let, let it go this time. on that one, I think. Yeah, it's, yeah, whatever. There are, pl- there are plenty of arenas that are in suburbs that they just say the uh, main. Uh, I, th- so I think main with WrestleMania yeah, Russell- in, in a few years, I think they're doing the same thing, saying that it's in one town, but it's actually not. Well, well, I mean, this coming year, San Francisco, it's not. Yeah, in San that, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that would be an example. I mean the. Um, for for many years, you know, sh- the Chicago arena that WWF run, Rosemount Horizon, yeah. Rosemount, Illinois, and uh, in Cleveland they ran the Richfield Civic Center, which is also or Richfield Coliseum, I think it's called, which is also in a suburb. So yeah, but before we go into WCW Monday Nitro, I forgot to ask you off air, but did you watch Night of Champions last weekend? Uh no. No, I didn't. I I really only have enough time to watch the things that we watch for our podcast. So fair enough. Did you hear anything that happened at Night of Champions? Yeah, I, yep. I read. I usually read the results, but that's about it. So, what's your thoughts on Brock Lesnar retaining the title via disqualification, technically losing to John Cena, Cena, but still walking out as WWE World Heavyweight Champion? Yeah, you know, I think that's a misstep. Without knowing exactly what happened or watching it. I think the only money in Lesnar is as just like a destroyer. So really ever having him lose by, or sorry, retained by 
uh, disqualification is never a good move with him. I feel that's just how I I think. I think that he has to look strong, or else it just doesn't doesn't matter. Because yeah, I know the match was okay. I guess I wasn't really paying too much attention in it since I kind of felt like Cena was going to win the title. Okay. And towards the end of end of the match, it seemed like Cena was going to retain the title with multiple. I think he hit like three F FUs or AAs, whatever. Then yeah. hit then slapped on the STFU then, or the STF or whatever, and and all yeah. that. Then Lesnar kept on crawling to the ring, or crawling to the ropes and all that. Then at the end, Cena got tighter of it, hit him with the fourth AA, then. Covered him. That's when Seth Rollins ran in and hit hit him with the briefcase. I mean, I guess that I don't know. I guess that makes Lesnar look strong. So he had to hit him with four FUs. But like I said, I didn't see it, so I don't really know the how it went down. Yeah, because I felt like the ma- well the match was more back. Well, definitely was more back and forth than the SummerSlam match. But I don't. Okay. I know at the end of the after the match, uh, Seth Rollins hit Lesnar with a curb stop and was going to you know cash in his briefcase and seen the late amount. And at the end, Lesnar laid out Cena, so he walked out. No, he was the only guy that walked out a champ, and he walked out on his own. Right. Well, yeah. So they, at the end, they look, at the end, they look, made him look strong. But I agree with you; they should have. You know, if they want to give Cena more offense than they did, did at SummerSlam, they should have. Uh, this had Lesnar score up the second victory. Right. Especially since that, sound like that Lesnar won't be at Hell in a Cell. Kind of silly to end the match the way it did when, if Lesnar's going to be gone for a pay-per-view. Eh, I don't know. I'm not sure. At least in my opinion. That's that's just my thoughts. So You guys can freak out at me on Twitter at DirtyDogMES. <laughs> you got it. So yeah, we might as well go back from 2014 to 1995. Woo! So yeah, the show opened up with a classic Nitro opening with a theme song. Then with the lights exploding, rustling shows on the sides of the buildings and all that, then we go to a helicopter I shot. You, I was going to ask you how you liked the intro with the people on the buildings. Yeah, especially uh, compared to what was happening on Raw, I think in 95 it was it was different. Looking back at it now, I still, I still like it because it's different and no company has used it since. To my knowledge. It's cool. I like it, yeah. I'm with it. Now we go to a helicopter shot of the Mall of America. Yeah. In, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> know that, I, as everyone knows, we are, we are Minnesota residents. Have you, what's your experience with the Mall of America? I've been there a few times. I think one of the last times I was there was with a uh, Christian organization. I was still, in, still going to college. Okay. You know, and all that. So, so it's been uh, probably five years since I last went to the Mall of America. It's probably been a decade before that that I've been there before. It, well, actually, it was, I was there in 2002 to get an autograph from Brock Lesnar. Nice. Then it was, yeah, probably like five, ten years before. Well, not probably ten years. Probably like five years before that. Before, so, like, late 90s is probably one of the last times I, and only times I really was walking around and did anything at the Mall of America. It was a few times I was there, it was pretty huge. Cool. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. Did you, like, did you go, did you ever go when it was kind of in the era that we saw at the 95 Nitro? Because I like to think of, like, and this, I don't know, this might be really boring to wrestling fans, but <laughs> talking about Mall of America history, but, like, 
in the early years, it was like, as you see on Nitro, a lot of like stores that you wouldn't see anywhere else. The flag store, the great train store, the, things the like Hulkamania that. The pasta. Yeah, right. But then at some point, it just changed to being like all the stores you see in a regular mall, just like everyone. And I don't know. So it's kind of like a different different times, I yeah, think. Yeah. I, so I, all the, all the I don't. I don't remember any of the stores I went to when I was at the mall okay. a few times, but I do remember where I do remember where they shot Nitro at, because right. that's where Brock sat for when I got his autograph. Yeah, in that's course. Yeah. yeah, so that that I remember. That's the only place of the mall that I can re, that I can remember. Right. Yeah, I've been a lot, so I was just I was just wondering what you're. Memories of the MOA were yeah. Well, I guess you know tied in with the wrestling and tied in with the Mall of America. Though my biggest memory of being at the Mall of America was meeting Brock Lesnar in 2002 before his Hell in a Cell match with the Undertaker and getting his autograph. Cool. That was fun times. So yeah, we right. must go. Yeah, then we must. Yeah, then Eric Bischoff welcomes us to Monday Nitro. Yes. Now, what's your thoughts on Eric Bischoff being excited to welcome us to Monday Nitro? Well, he was he was extremely excited. I don't. I've never really had much love for Eric Bischoff as a commentator. He's just like too jazzed up for me. Just I don't know. He's just like over the top. In I, my opinion, I guess I liked him. You know, for little doses once in a while. Okay. You know, if I had to listen to him every week, I'd probably. We do the same thing I'm doing now with Rustin. I'm not going to watch it every week. Yeah. Because I kind of find him with, in the aspects of Michael Cole, can get can get irritating rather fast. Sure. But yeah, I can see that. One thing I did like about Eric Bischoff, comparing it to wrestling these days like we have been doing, is I did like how the show opened. I also watched the first, I also watched Nitro episode two and three a couple weeks ago, too, and I did enjoy Bischoff. Being excited, you know, throughout each episode of Nitro, keeping the fans intrigued through the whole hour. Sure, I'll go with that. Unlike today, how it doesn't really seem like the announcers really care about the matches, and they don't really don't care about us fans staying on that channel and watch wrestling. Yeah, yeah, and I real I thought the pace of the show was really good. I don't think it felt like an hour, which is always a good thing. Yeah. And some of those early Raws that we've watched, I think have definitely felt like an hour when they're like six or like five or six matches on them. Or how you the Baston Booger commentating. Yeah. Right. So I, I thought this had a, had a good pace, really kind of clicked along. So. And we might as well talk with the newest member of the WCW play-by-play team, at least oh. as of 1995, What's your thoughts of Steve Mongo McMichael? Oh my god, he's awful. Just awful. I <laughs> I really did not like him one bit. I liked his leather and teal jacket with fringe. That was probably the last the only thing I liked about him. Then uh right after Steve Mongo McMichael gets welcome to the announcers team, my Ruku decided to restart itself. Okay. For for the first time during this hour broadcast, <laughs> okay. I swear my Ruku only supports WWE shows. <laughs> How in main event status radio history, 
If you guys remember, for the WCCW episode that we watched and reviewed, Mayuruko also decided to restart itself oh, during the main <laughs> event match. Oh, funny. <laughs> I was that. I forgot that. Whatever. But after I restarted it, after Steve McMichael was introduced, we are welcome to a third man to this announcer's table. Thankfully, Bobby <laughs> the Brain Heenan. You got it. And yeah, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you, who better than Bobby to bring up this announced team? Who could be better? I With what they had on hand, probably yeah. no one. Yeah, I think uh, maybe, the best, best maybe, effort that they had. Yeah, maybe Tony Schiavone, but maybe not. Well, that would be probably instead of Bischoff. Maybe yeah. instead, or maybe, um, maybe Mike Tenet. Was he associated with them yet? I don't know. But I guess with what they had for sure that we can remember, especially to battle Mongo, Bobby's the best person. Yeah. Then also, who better to be on the first run of Raw and Nitro than Bobby the Brain Heenan? Yeah, he's the connecting piece. And I guess this is just me, but did you notice what I noticed, that Eric had a black cover on his mic when Mongo and the Brain had a purple covering on their mic? Did not notice that. Okay, <laughs> I know w, I know purple and black were WCW colors, so I'm okay. sure, sure that's why they did it. But I noticed that. But before we go into the first match and all that, yeah, I mentioned before that I subscribed to the Wrestling Observer podcast and all that, and the Brian, Vinny, and Greg show on Tuesday nights. They've been reviewing the first Nitros. Okay, and a few. I think they're. Just got done reviewing, I think, episode four or so this past week. And, yeah, they, they reviewed the first Nitro about a month ago. And on it, that Vinny mentioned that Raw wasn't on this week, giving Nitro uh, edge to the first show. Okay. And I think, if I remember correctly, Vinny also said that Nitro beat Raw in the ratings the next week. Ah. ah. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what's happening. What was that? That was a. I don't, I don't even know. That was a weird running. Sorry, guy. But anyway, anyway, anyway so, but yeah, Vinny mentioned that Nitro beat Raw the second week, but I don't know if that's for sure or not. Uh, I don't know when they started to beat them, and then they beat them for many, many weeks in a row. Yeah, but I, you know, for for this episode of Nitro, Raw was Raw was preempt. Okay, got it. Then yeah, then. Eric Bischoff tells us that Hulk Hogan will be in the main event. Yes. What's your thoughts on Bischoff telling us at the start of the show that the Hulkster will be in the main event? I think it's a great move because Hulkster isn't going to be around, you know, on every every Nitro. He wasn't around on every Saturday night. So to alert the folks right away that he was going to be on, I think, was a smart idea. So we must go in the first Nitro match Ever <laughs> was Justin Thunder Liger versus Flying Jushin. Brian Pillman? Jushin. Justin. Jushin. Jushin. You got it. Thunder Liger. You got it. Woo! I got one name done right. And at the start, I swore Brian Pillman's theme song was Bad to the Bone by Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band. No, it was... Have more fun. Okay, as I say, at the end of the match, I realized I was wrong. (laughs) 
But I am a proud <laughs> owner. Like I'm tall, like I'm big, like I'm small. Blinds have more fun. But I am a proud owner of of Hulk Rules by Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band on CD. <laughs> Oh, good man. And good bef- man. before I had bought that on CD, I also had Mama D also bought that for me twice on cassette. Wow. Because the first one, I think, broke or lost, got lost or something like that. Got eaten <laughs> up by the cassette player. So, yeah, we, mama. so we might as well, yeah, she's a one great mama. <laughs> so we might as well get into the match. Uh, I felt like this match was pretty technical heavy when Pillman had the upper hand. Yeah, I I really liked this match a lot. I thought um, that I just I just really liked the back and forth. I thought that was really fast paced. I liked the um, um, just the move. Yeah, the moves that Pillman was using to kind of try to control Liger, and I liked the the moves that Liger was doing to you know keep it up, keep it fast paced. I that uh, the moon salt press at, toward the beginning I really liked. And then the ones they took it outside, I really like that too. What's your thoughts on the Mexican surfboard that Liker did? I thought it looked good, even though I do not prefer the surfboard in execution because it's very illogical. All the person taking it would have to do is just put his legs down. True. Because <laughs> I feel like it was beautifully executed. It looked good. And I guess same with you, I don't like the execution of it because technically Liger's shoulders were on the mat from past to three oh, count. Yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah. I noted that um, Mongo, you know, really let off his first Nitro match with a uh, cute racist comment saying that uh, Liger's kicks were like Ginsu knives, which are from Japan. Oh, Margo. <laughs> and then I, then I also noted that um, when Pillman threw a really nice head scissors that I liked, Bobby said that it went from Bloomingdale's to Macy's, which are two <laughs> stores that actually are still in the mall. That's so funny. I write that down. <laughs> so I know you mentioned the match was outside, and I think you said this, that uh, Thunder hit a somersault from the apron. Yeah, I like that one. And did you catch what the fans started to chant? USA. USA, USA. <laughs> I was hoping for Macho to run out and say, USA, USA, do it, do it. <laughs> I forgot about USA, USA, do it, do it. <laughs> then I know you were talking about a couple a line that you found found funny from Bobby, that uh, Thunder hit a superplex onto Pillman and only got a two count, and Bobby said, don't get any closer. <laughs> okay. It's true. I just found that funny. Then moments, <laughs> the moment, uh, the moments later, uh, I think it was Mongo and the Brain were bickering back and forth about how yeah. Bobby is, you know, how Bob, Bobby bashes anybody and everybody. Then Bobby yep. said, "I don't shortchange anybody. I call it the way I see it." Okay. And Mongo was calling him some awful names like Bobby the Stain and Bobby Hernia. Doesn't even make sense. That's so dumb. Poor Bobby. Well, I don't know from. Oh, okay. I got to go way back. Sorry. Mongo had this line that I wanted to, to make notes that I just was confused by it. He said that the Mall of America was apropos, which means you ain't digging around in a hole with farm implements. What does that mean? 
Does that mean that everywhere other than the Mall of America that we're all just farms? Digging around in farm implements? I don't think so. I think he's supposed to say, like, apropos <laughs> sounds like something. I I was totally confused. Well, let's just say uh, there's, you know, some other bigger towns in, in Minnesota that aren't f- farm towns or Mongo. I don't think I don't think he was trying to insult because Mongo's <coughs> from, from the sticks, too. <coughs> Screw Mongo. Minnesota's better than Chicago, Jack. He's not from Chicago. It, from, What's the Mongo's accent? He's not from Chicago. Wherever he's from, we're so better. Whatever. <laughs> All right. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to try to find where Mongo's from. And then, yeah, then so, there was a beautiful powerbomb pin combination from Liger. Another two account. Okay. And then there was yep. a beautiful Hernan from the top row from Liger. Another. Oh, we liked that move. That looked awesome. Yes, another two count. Yep. Then I noted that a mat seemed pretty dirty. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. Then, uh, do you have any other notes besides the finish? Um, I do not think so. Okay, the I'm also talking no, about. I just really liked. I liked the Pillman drop kick to to Liger when he was jumping off of the of the top rope. <laughs> then, uh, that was also talk about the finish where uh, Pillman rolled up th- Thunder for the victory. Yep. The winner was Flying Brian. <laughs> I scored this match one and one half star. Oh come on! You gave that match with, uh, like Jeff Jarrett and China like three stars. You know, you gave this one and one. We quarter. haven't watched and reviewed a Jeff Jarrett vs. China match, by the way. Whatever you that you put that. <laughs> Vince McMahon and Triple H match. Because like that was a good match. Oh my gosh, ridiculous. Whatever, whatever. I called this, I called this three and one-fifth stars. Oh, whatever. <laughs> it was good. That was a good match. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit crazy, but I'm still on well. <laughs> Blondes have more fun. Well, I felt like this was a good opener for the first show. Yeah, I, I did too. I felt like the crowd wasn't Let's see, showing the crowd who wasn't used to WCW wrestling a good technical wrestling. Oh, I understand what I was going to say with that. I felt like that it, if the viewers at home, if they didn't know what WCW wrestling was like, I felt like this match was a good first good opening match for it. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. I think I, if you lead off a, a program like that, you want to give a good kind of, you know, the whole show needs to be kind of really a snapshot and we haven't mentioned yet, but let's mention it now, I guess. This whole month, we're going to be doing first shows of different uh, organizations and whatnot and just different series. And I think this will be something that I'll look at. You know, when you first put yourself out there, you want to show a good snapshot of your, your organization. And I think uh, through all three matches here, we see that, but especially this first match, you know, really kind of showcasing the undercard and what it was all about in WCW at this time. Then, yeah, then uh, after the match, Pillman and uh, Pillman and Thunder shook hands, and Pillman raised Thunder's uh, uh, hand up in the air. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. They hugged and and all that. Then we saw a replay of the, of the highlights of the match. Right. Then we saw a promo of Stan from earlier in the night. Yeah, 
Yeah. Short and sweet, which is what, which was what it was needed to be. Yes. Then we and then go back for the highlight of the show. Yeah, we go to a commercial break. And we come back with Bischoff telling us there was a WCW Nitro week in the mall. Yep. And we go to a pre-taped interview with WCW World Heavyweight Champion Hollywood Hulk Hogan. No, not Hollywood Hulk Hogan. From Hulk Hogan. From Postomania. Yeah. Postomania is everyone running wild. And like I mentioned that uh, I, I, well, I, I listened, well, I watched the first episode twice. Uh, second, yeah. t- second time was when I reviewed it. Then, yeah. uh, I, I, and before I watched it for the second time and reviewed it, I listened, yeah, I listened to the Brian and Vinny and Craig show from WrestlingObserver.com, and Vinny pointed this out to me, during, about this promo, which I don't know if you noticed, okay. but depending on how the camera angle was, if you looked at the top of the screen and the Postmania interview, you'll see a sign that said, Tonight's Fair. Yes. F-A-R-E. It's all caps lock. And depending on depending on how the camera was, it looked like the sign read Tonight's Fake. Oh, okay. That made it's me laugh. That why, made me, it, why did Vinny think this was interesting? Why do you think this is interesting? Is my question. It, just like you, it made him chuckle. It made me chuckle too when I noticed that. All right. And during the interview, that was the only thing I was paying attention to was Tonight's Fake sign. I was paying attention to all the fans talking to their moms. <laughs> well, that's what I still do. What's wrong with that? Twenty years later. Hey, hey, mom, hey, mom. So yeah, then Hogan asked the fans who the greatest wrestler was. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they said it was him, of course. Yeah. Hogan put himself over. And Hogan said that he had eaten so many Hulkaroos that Bubba doesn't know what he has coming. Which I. I am very disconcerned about because to me that means that uh, Hulk Hogan's going going to shit in the ring. <laughs> we don't want that. Said, I have eaten so many Hulkaroos that Bubba doesn't know what he has coming. I'm scared, to be honest. <laughs> I I think Hulk's going to have an accident in the ring. Yeah, because yeah, Hogan did say he put the title. He's going to put the title <laughs> up on the line in the main event. And like you said, he's slim. And trim because yeah. of his pasta. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. And he's, he's eating SpaghettiOs, basically. And lots he, and lots of SpaghettiOs. And he ended this promo with a funny line that I wrote down. Okay, what's that? <laughs> Let me try to do it my whole Hogan impersonation, which might suck macho impersonation, but <laughs> I'll still do it. What you gonna do? All right. <laughs> that's it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it, it made me laugh. What you gonna do? All right. <laughs> My only other note on this is that this place is the Sabaros now. <laughs> All right. It lasted like zero years. Yeah, it, it, was, I, it was gone very quickly. Which makes me suck. I wish I would have went to Postmania when he was still around, brother. <laughs> yeah, okay. I guess that's what I'm going to do. I wish I could invent a time tra- travel machine to go back. So you could eat pasta mania? Why not? <laughs> then we might as well go into the next match. Okay. The World Championship Wrestling's United States Heavyweight Championships up on up on the line with challenger Ric Flair versus the champion, Stan. Right. 
Yep. And there's a lot going on in this one. A lot of if the first one was more just kind of a showcase wrestling match, this one has a lot more going on storyline wise. And before we go into this, Mongo told us that these two men are the greatest wrestlers in the world. And if you aren't watching this, you should watch. Bischoff and interrupts him, yeah. telling him not to say oh, it. Oh, 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 oh. They were hinting at Monday Night Raw, people. Yeah. Yep, you got it. Then I want to get your thoughts on former NWA WCW champion Steam. As United as as United States champion, I'm sorry. You know, um the the US championship is always treated kind of on the higher level and uh especially the same with Hogan having it where he's not gonna be around all the time. Um I know you I think you even wrote a column about this, how the the secondary titles can be elevated. And, uh, you know, I think WCW actually did a great job with it, using the U.S. championship um, to serve as the main event title when Hogan held it. Yeah, because I, I did write that article oh, probably a couple years ago. Yeah. It's up on chemicalclutchblog.com. I can find that article and post up on the Facebook page. Sure. Then, uh, yeah, then the mall. Oh, yeah, the, I don't remember who said this, but the mall was compared to the Thunderdome. <laughs> Mongo said that. Then I said, oh, okay then. <laughs> then bef- well, no, and it is, his comparison is actually very apt because what he's referring to is the fact in Thunderdome, in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, all the people are, or all the fans are like up the sides of the of the Thunderdome. And it's very similar to how the people are on each level of the mall looking down onto the concourse. So he is actually pretty pretty right in his comparison. Okay. Mongo, good job of being right for once and confusing yeah. me. Good job. Yeah, he's he's not on a lot, but he was on this one. Then we might as well talk about what happens before or between the bell and before the guys lock up. Tell us what tell us what happens. A man with with a long mullet and a and a flowing white button up shirt buttoned all the way to the top came out. How how long between SummerSlam and the first Nitro was there for time Ooh, do you know? How long? Can't be more than like three weeks. Okay, because I, re- I remember hearing, I think from Stone Cold's podcast, that I can remember if he was interviewing somebody or what, but I remember him saying that guys in the WWF locker room were hanging out with this guy the night before, before he jumped. Oh, wow. And this guy was on a handshake agreement with Vince McMahon, and because of what he did, Vince quit doing that. Oh, sure. <laughs> Probably got an idea. And this guy we're referring to is the narcissist Lex Luger. <laughs> yes, the narcissist Lex Luger. You are correct. So yeah, I, th- I thought it was funny that Lex Luger was shown on TV and Bischoff got pissed off telling the camera people to get him off the screen and not saying his I, name right away. Yeah. Yeah, what was your opinion on kind of like treating him like an invader? I at first I liked how the announcers, you know, kind of popped. You know, were seemed kind of excited about that he showed up, but didn't want to. It's like you know, act like well, who is why is what is he doing here? Kind of thing. Yeah, I, I liked that aspect. I wish they would have treated him more like, wow, yeah, look who's here, instead of like, oh, get him off the screen. But true, I don't know. But I, 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 I kind of enjoyed it. Then, yeah, how the fans were chanting his name and all that. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. And I did mention in my notes that I believe it was Austin on his podcast were was talking about that. If not, it was Jim Ross, one of the two. Uh, we're talking about you know how the night before uh, Luger was with uh, WWF in their locker room hanging out, Russell he kept it quiet that the WWF guys did not even know that Luger was jumping to WCW. Sure, SummerSlam was eight days prior to this. Okay, so yeah, he was on SummerSlam yeah, yeah a week before. So, yep. So Luger did a pretty good job on being on WWF pay-per-view, then a little over a week later, bam, he was on WCW TV again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also did like how how uh, Ric Flair and Steen did not even lock up and waited until Luger was gone before they started their match. Yeah, he was out of there quick. <laughs> so, uh, you want, do you want to talk about the start of the match? Sure can. So, I, I like this, I like this match a lot. Um, you know, Sting Sting took over quick with some big power moves, some big power slams, back body drops, big uh, I don't know what you call it when you lift the guy in the air and then just drop him down. But oh, he did girl, that too. press slam. Yeah. Yep. Oh, good too. <laughs> but I, you know, I like when, Sting's an interesting wrestler, and sometimes I don't think he gets enough credit for his in-ring stuff because he can really go all the different ways. Um, he's a, he's a fast guy, but when he's in with a smaller wrestler, he can do a lot of power moves too. And they all look really good. So yeah. And I think this is, you know, in 95, he's still doing a lot of good work. Yeah. Cause I know one of the notes I have is that a flare rolled, rolled outside the ring to get a breather. And the announcers put flare over about that trying to get into Steen's head. Mm hmm. Then around this time, that that's when the announcers finally mentioned Lux Luger by name on WCW television. Yeah, I was wondering if they were going to. Then Bobby mentioned that how Luger has history with both Ric Flair and Sting. Right, yep, and he would, yep. So I'm happy that Bobby put over the past history with those three men. Sure, yeah, no, you got to do that. So I feel like that also put over why... Why Luger showed up at the start of Steen versus Ric Flair. Okay, yeah. I guess one of my next notes is that Flair tries to chop and punch Steen in the corner, and Steen no-sells it. Yep. He beats Mm -hmm. Flair up, and the crowd goes bananas for it. Yeah, they did. Yes, they did. With the no-sell, they loved it. So Steen stunned up. <laughs> or stained up or whatever. whatever. He got stung. Yeah, Sting got stung and stunned up. Yeah. Whatever. My English ain't proper, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but then after Sting takes control, Flair stopped him with a back elbow. Um and Flair goes up top, but again, to my complete one hundred percent surprise, was taken down crossbody before he could he could do his move. Yeah, Flair did a crossbody. <laughs> that uh, that, that brought no, 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 no. Flair ran at Stan and did a crossbody, f- and bumped into the to the ropes and brought both men to the outside. Okay. And Flair chopped Stan. This is the funny part. Bounced off the guardrail like his ropes. Ran back at Stan only to get Gorilla press slammed into the <laughs> ring. Yes. Then we go to a commercial break and Stan try to splash. Off the top rope and Flair moved out of the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Bishop claimed that Sting got 15 feet into the air. 
I don't know about that. Well, that's what Bischoff claimed. I can tell he's like Vince McMahon and kind of lying about stuff like that. <laughs> then they then Double A Arn Anderson came down to the ring. Yes, in an awesome, awesome tracksuit. Before we continue in this match, do you know why Arn Anderson and Ric Flair were feuding at this time? I don't know what that feud is based on. Do you? No, I don't. No, I don't either. But they did put on one hell of a match at Fall mm-hmm. fall Brawl like two Sundays later. Yeah, and I want to say that that was a really, yeah, like you said, a really good match. And it just, that feud never went anywhere. All of a sudden they were back together. So that's a little disappointing. I think they could have had a lot more. So, yeah, then we might as well get back to the match. Steen hit the ten punches in the corner. Yep. And I wanted to mention that, that. I don't know if I don't I know you Beverly don't listen to that many podcasts but I don't know listeners I don't know if you listen to Jim Ross's Ross report at all but I know one of one of JR's pet peeves is the 10 punches in the corner because and to in this instance neither did Steen's hand break or anything or his knuckles bloodied or neither was his knuckles bloody or Flutter's head was busted wide open with that Okay, and why does that need to happen? Because in a real fight, according to Jim Ross, that if you're going to punch somebody ten times in the in the face, either your hand is going to hurt a lot and possibly break, or the guy's going to get busted wide open. Well, I think that's a really dumb argument, to be honest with you, because the guys punch each other way more than ten times in every match, and their hands don't break. It's pro wrestling, Jim Ross, jumping Jim Ross, fiery baby face from Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> Get over it. That's that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Like, so, like really. Because once once I typed that out, I did put in italics. Beverly will tell me to dis to suspend my disbelief. Silly. I, there you go. I, you're you know me well because I think that is stupid. <laughs> because how so then what when they start off the matches and they punch each other that's okay that they don't break their hand but only in the 10 count punches in the corner that's when it's supposed to <laughs> bloody them and break their hands whatever uh, Jim, Jim, Ross, Jim Ross I don't even listen to him anymore because he's dumb I only listen I at times I do <laughs> it does bother me when JR goes on rants like that and I I well, I'm planning on listening to to Jr. probably for next few weeks because he <laughs> his lineup for next few weeks of podcast inter, interviewees are are I guess up my in my forte in my wheelhouse okay. or people I want to listen to. All right. So I know a few weeks back, you know, I mentioned that he listened, he talked to Tony Giovanni, which I really liked. Right. He talked to Cowboy Bill Watts. Good interview. He even talked to Vince Russo. Okay. Thought, thought that was inter- kind of interesting. I know he. I know he's gonna have. I think uh, Ed Ferreira on. Okay. Which I. You know, I know he's gonna have some other people through. Uh, he's. Uh, he had Dave Meltzer on this past week, which I really loved. Dirty Dave Meltzer. Got it. But yeah, I. I don't. I guess. Yeah, I do agree with you at times that Jim Ross seems to rant just to rant. Sure. But anyway, we must be back to the match for another tangent. Okay. Yeah, Steen hit a hit a top rope, top rope superplex to Flair. Yep. Then, mm-hmm. then like Steen talked uh, double A. That gave Flair a chance to hit a chop block and slap on the figure four leg lock. 
Right. Then uh, Stan hulked up and turned the figure four over. Alias tried, then Flair grabbed the ropes, which pissed Double A off, yep. causing Flair to lose by disqualification. Yeah, when he runs into the runs into the ring, stares at him for a little bit, which apparently led the announcers to think that they might not fight, even though Arn just pulled him off of Sting. But whatever. But yeah, if Flair got himself disqualified by holding on to the ropes for the count of five. Yeah, yep. So that's how Cena won. Cena won, retaining the U.S. title by disqualification. And I rated this match two, two and three-eighths of a star. I actually think a lower than you. Yep, two and a half for me. You know, two and a half, that's not lower than me. That's higher than me. What did you put, two-eighths? Two and three-eighths of a star. Three-eighths. Okay, so yeah. you're, you're ready this match one-eighth of a star higher. Yep, one-eighth higher. You're right. Because I thought this, in my opinion, this match was better than the match before. Okay. And I feel like, you know, it was awesome to have Luger come back at the beginning of the match. Mm-hmm. And with Bobby putting him over. And it was also fun seeing two former world champions face each other for a mid-card belt. Cool, yeah. I've Oh, go ahead. Showing the power of the Hulkamania stroke. <laughs> okay. I have it lower just because I think just... Number one, I don't. I didn't really like the finish. Uh, I thought it was kind of lame, um, and I, I guess I just like the moves in the first one better. I'm more of a move guy. What can I say? So, fair yeah, enough. It was fair good. Enough. It was not bad by any means. Yeah, so. well, I do agree with you that yeah, the and the, the ending was kind of silly. Yeah, but I mean, you know what it, it that it's TV matches. Um, in the pre-attitude era, that's what you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. Then, like you said, Double A pulled Flair off and off of standing. They get into a fight. Double A wins fist. Double A wins the fist fight. Chops down. Yes. And then uh, and Flair escaped into the mall. Yes. Then uh, Scott Norton came out of nowhere and got in the face of Bobby, Eric, and Mongo. Yep. Yes. Well, unnamed Scott Norton. Just. To, he he was not yet known to be Scott Norton at the time. Do you know the backstory of Scott Norton up Scott Norton up to this first Nitro? Sure. Uh, well, Scott Norton had been wrestling since the late '80s. He is a Minnesota native, um, power lifter type. He started in the AWA as Scott Flapjack Norton, which great name there. Have Have you ever seen any Scott Flapjack Norton stuff? No. Oh, gosh. You need to look up a Scott Flapjack Norton promo. He was with Yukon John Nord, who became <laughs> Berserker. And oh, John, that, those said, promos are crazy. Yeah. And he said that he found Scott Norton in, oh. a, in a lumber camp, and he ate so many pancakes. I <laughs> think, I, think I may have heard that promo uh, promo uh, on uh, the Carl Stern Classic Wrestling Audio oh, Show on WrestlingObserver.com. Sure, sure, sure. So, so then he brought him in, and so he was in. He was there for a little bit. Then he um, went to Portland for a while, and kind of the last couple of years of Portland wrestling, and kind of really kind of cut his teeth there. But then in the early '90s, you know, like '90 to '95, there he really gained a name in Japan. Um, just in in that kind of same era that Vader. And uh, you know Terry Gordy and uh, Steve Williams were 
were kind of tearing it up over there, Stan Hansen, and um, kind of gained a reputation as kind of that big, bruising American type that they, they really love over there. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what led him, led him here. And yeah, that he so that he has a contract and wants to fight, and Mongo got in his face. Right, and I really wish he would have taken out Mongo right there. <laughs> then Macho Man ran out and got into a Norton's face, saying that if he wants a match, he should face Savage. And both guys really? Neil. And both yeah, both guys wanted to have the match right then and there. Yeah, but they don't. But I guess you kind of answered anyway, but what's your thoughts on Mongo setting up and trying to be a tough guy? Well, I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't really like it because it didn't come through. You know, I think if you're going to make that challenge or whatever, that match should be next or it should be in the upcoming weeks. And I don't think Mongo makes a debut for probably at least a year more, right? I think so, yeah. So, Yeah. Then we go to a Sabu video package. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. He's just flying around. My Ruku didn't like it. Oh, okay. Kicked right, off again. Right when the video package started, that's when my Ruku decided to reset itself for the second time during this first Nitro. Okay. I wrote in caps lock, what the hell? <laughs> How many times do I need to try to get through this episode? I guess. This is only the second. This is the second and final time. So thank you, Ruku. Oh jeez. But yeah, because I, I know I did enjoy this too. I can tell that this was pre. Or this was taped from previous WCW shows since there was WCW banners in the background. So I okay. found that to be kind of silly that this is Sabu's. You know, hyping him up for his first WCW match since he's already had a WCW match. Did he say it was his first match, or did he just say like it was? I assumed it was for his first match, but I could be wrong. Okay. I guess I didn't catch it. I didn't, I didn't either. Okay. But anyway, we come back from our commercial break with Mean Jin in the ring. Okay. And he tells a joke that if he could, he should have bought 10 acres of land back when he was 8. No, no. Well, yeah, he did say that, but he said that he wished he would have bought the land that the Mall of America was located on. For seventeen thousand dollars, like the person who bought it did in nineteen fifty three, but he was only eight then. Okay, that makes sense, son. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot better. I just said okay, Gene. <laughs> then he tells us that somebody won something, and then we go back to Bischoff. No, the guy won a nineteen ninety five Harley Davidson soft tail. I still like my description. Somebody won something. Anyway, we go to Bischoff and he runs down what we'll see on WCW Saturday night, that coming Saturday night. Yeah, uh-huh. And I, th- I thought it was interesting. I think, you know, at this time, we're still kind of in that uh, kind of time period where, well, obviously with the first Nitro, where we don't know yet what's the A show, what's the B show. You know. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, you know, especially with this being the first Nitro, yeah, they're shaky on if this Nitro thing is going to catch on. So, and just just in case the Nitro thing doesn't catch on, it tells the WWF viewers who didn't know nothing about WCW where they could catch WCW if this Nitro thing doesn't catch on. Right. Then we go to a, another video package with with Mr. Wall Street. 
Yeah, they kept saying Mr. Wall Street. You're right. I wonder if Mr. Wall Street and Mr. Beverly Hills are friends. They're not. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a big Mr. Wall Street fan. I did like this promo, and I'll explain. Saying that you know, I or Wall Street said that the new generation is becoming a few generation. Yeah, okay. That's why he's in WCW, because WCW has great wrestlers like Hogan, Flair, Stane, Vader, and now Mr. Wall Street. Mr. Wall Street. Then he, then he says, I think this was his last line, I'm sure the IRS will be watching me very closely. Yeah. I bet he will, Mr. Wall Street. Kind of lame. I enjoyed that line since his character was the IRS. Okay. That made me laugh. Yeah. Then we go we must go into the main event of the night. Oh crack it. And because this is the main event of the evening, I may as well open up my main event drink. Get re- get ready, get ready, and <laughs> I'm gonna open up my WCW Million. <laughs> nice. So yeah, so we will go into the main event match of the WCW for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Hulk Hogan, the champion, with Jimmy Hart against Big Bubba Rogers. Big Bubba. I felt bad for Big Bubba. <laughs> Why? Because you knew he was going to lose. Not that. Because well, for all he's the biggest of the blubbers. You got it. Then uh, when he came down, we go to a commercial break. Oh okay. So I feel like. The big Bubba was jobbed out on the first Nitro to a commercial break. <laughs> well, what do you expect, man? Then, uh, then I, to be honest, I kind of liked the use of Big Bubba here because you know he's one of those people where like um, he's he's a big enough deal that you could see him being used in the main event, but you know. Not so much expecting to win, but he's still, he's not, you know, quite a jobber or whatever. He's still going to get his wins um, on Saturday night and, and all the rest. So I, I, you know, I like the use of Big Bubba here. Yes, because, uh, yeah, then yeah, Bischoff tells us when Hogan came out that Minneapolis, that Hogan was the reason why Minneapolis came there. Let me and reword I'm sure that. it was. Let me reword that. Bishop tells us when Hogan came out that that's who Minneapolis was waiting to see. Right. Which, like you said, that's probably who why Minneapolis came out. Or yeah, Burlington, pretty, whatever. Pretty accurate. Then uh, he also, Bishop also tells us that those two men have a history. Yep, yep. I so. wonder, wonder where they had a history at. I'm thinking uh, WWF. I mean, sure, why not? Whatever. I just, I, I just find that funny because how oh, Margo is telling us don't change your channel to the competition and Bischoff cuts him off. Yet Bischoff also says later on the show that those two have a history uh, at, at the competition. Okay, I, I understand. I understand. But I mean, I think like they're almost they almost were saying like go ahead and turn it. But, you know, if you do, you know, you're not going to be happy or whatever. I think I think almost that's kind of what, um, you know, Mongo was saying with his previous line. Yeah, well, I guess 
I just find that kind of funny how that Mongo is saying, you know, during the Flair Steam match, that go ahead, change the channel, then Bishop cuts him off, you know, yeah. making that into a joke. Then during this match, saying that those two have a history with each other from the competition, when they're with the competition. Sure. So I just find that kind of silly. Yeah, but I I'm guess like, in ways like, I understand. So yeah, these two guys were from the company way up north, and you know, and from New York and all that. Which yeah, you no, know, you, these two guys you you are familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, then uh, let's see. Oh yeah, it was announced that from next week in Miami that we have Savage versus Norton. Okay, good. That I did notice something during the start of the match. I wanted to ask you about. Okay, all right. Ask why, why is Jimmy Hart holding the WCW title when it's up, up for grabs? <laughs> I don't know. Because that, to me, that doesn't make any sense. It? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Bobby, right away in the match, Bobby put over the wrestling ability of the boss man. Yeah, when I know, I had a note about this because then uh, Mongo says that it holds nothing to the technical ability of Hulk Hogan. Oh, okay, Mongo. <laughs> I can barely hold in my laughs with that. <laughs> Hulk Hogan's a technician. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Bossman can brawl. He can fight. He can wrestle, and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. And I think those are all true statements. Yeah. So I know Bossman did hit a beautiful uppercut. Oh, I love his punches. I noted that, too. I really, really have always liked Boss Man's punches. And nobody hits the ropes like Big Boss Man. Definitely. Yeah, then uh, Boss Man... Two things that he always, always can do. Yeah, then Boss Man ran into the big two big boots when Hogan was in the corner. Yep. How stupid are you if he, that you had to do it twice? <laughs> he, he's brazen. That's why he's the biggest of the blubbers. Yes, you got it. And uh, Boston hit the second rope, sit on him thin. I don't know, don't know what it's called. <laughs> the boss man move. Yeah, so he, he the hit the boss man move. Then he <laughs> ran outside and got in the face of Jimmy Hart. Yep. Giving uh, Hogan a chance to roll outside the ring and attack the boss man. Mm-hmm. And did you notice that when they went back in the ring, Jimmy distracted the referee, giving uh, giving Hogan well, a chance to Bubba stripped him. So I mean, he was he was angry that Bubble was trying to make him naked. Yeah, <laughs> as I say, did you notice that? Yeah, that Jimmy was distracted referee, giving Hogan a chance to choke Boston with Hogan with Jimmy's jacket. It was also I don't even know if he was choking him. It looked like he was trying to force him to eat it. <laughs> nom nom nom. <laughs> I, I did I did want to ask, how is that a baby face thing to do? Oh. Always. Hulk Hogan is the worst baby face ever. Yes. He always does heel moves. Talk about heel moves. Hogan hit a body slam and hit two elbow drops that rubbed the bottom of his boot in Boss Man's face. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you have any other notes of this match before the finish? Well, earlier, Mongo uh, said that... I, this is at least what I heard, was that... Uh, Hogan was going to ball drag Bubba through the mall, which again, another thing I do not want to see. Yeah, it sounds pretty dirty. Any type of ball drags. 
That's just, yeah, like I said, that sounds pretty dirty to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the only other thing um, before the the finish is just that, well, it kind of leads into the finish. Bubba got, did a boss man slam to, to Hogan, but then, and you can take it away. Okay, then Hogan had the advantage and, yeah, yeah, ran in the ropes and ran himself from the boss man slam. Then Hogan started to Hulk up, do his normal comeback, big boot, leg drop, victory. One, two, three, yep, you got it. I rated this match two stars. Ooh. What? I don't, I don't have anything down, I guess. You know, I'll go two stars as well. Okay. I, think that's a, I think that's accurate. Because I thought this was a normal Hogan match with normal Hogan antics. Uh-huh, yep. I think it, it, is, it is what it is. It's the Hogan, Hogan deal. I felt like this was the perfect main event for the first Nitro. Sure. Then the Dungeon of Doom ran out and attacked Hogan. Then Sexy Lexi came out and helped out Hogan. Yes. Then they backed into each other. They bumped each other. Teased that they were going to punch each other. Then the Steiner, Little Jimmy, and the Macho one came out and stopped those two from fighting with one another. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the other the other baby faces came out and stabbed. And then stabbed. we go to a commercial. We come back from a commercial with a WCW Fall Brawl commercial. Mm-hmm. Then yep. mean, the Mean Jeans in the ring with those guys. Yeah, I, w- I was not aware that uh, Hogan's crew were not fighting the Dungeon of Doom, but they were actually fighting uh, muscular dystrophy. But I'm not, you know, I'm not mad about that. They can fight muscular dystrophy. That's fine. I hope they're still fighting fighting that. I, do, I think a lot of people are with you there. Yes. Dig it, dig it. <laughs> Good stuff. Then, yeah, Hogan asks Luger, what, he, what is he doing? Do you want to tell us what Luger was in WCW to do? Well, Luger, I'm tough. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I'll back up. I'll back up. Uh, he says that the WCW champ is the only champ, and I want to take the title from you. And also he says that, I'm tired of playing with kids, and I want to get it on with the big boys. And I wrote you. Yes, I noticed that too. <laughs> I also was wondering why Hogan was shouting at Luger. Yeah. Uh, well, again, it's kind of Hogan being a little, uh, you know, he like, why is it so bad that he's here? Yeah, because, yeah, I did notice that, uh, I wrote down that, that, uh, Luger showed that he's been where Hogan's been. He did the things that Hogan's done. Claiming that a hoaxer's number one and that WCW champion saying that he's the only world heavyweight champion. Right. Mm-hmm. Hogan tried to shout at him back, right back, but Luger stopped him saying he wanted to finish. Yeah. I'm tired of playing with kids. I want to play with the big boys. I'm here. I want a title shot. He wants to get it on with the big boys. Yes, and he wants a title shot. He doesn't care what it is. Yep. Hogan yeah, showed could be now, tonight, next week, or five years from now. He doesn't care. Yep. And Hogan Prince said he's getting more than Jack, Jack. <laughs> yes, he is getting the title shot. And that is the game plan. That was the game plan. Then we put over Nitro for the next week with Mongo, and Mongo had Peppy, his dog with horns. <laughs> I didn't quite catch it. I knew Pepe was wearing the, um, wearing the devil horns though. <coughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> I figured he'd be a Pepe fan. 
So we might as well talk about the jobber and the main event status star for the episode. Okay, yep. I can go first with my jobber. All right. My jobber is the one, uh, the only, uh, the owner of Peppy, oh. Steve Mongo McMichael. <laughs> Beca- he was pretty darn bad. Because he is a horrible announcer. He, he was really bad. Yeah, he made it horrible, hard, he made it hard to listen through Nitro. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but his banter with Bobby did make me giggle once in a while. <laughs> once in a while. I'm with you. I, you know, I was really close to putting a Mongo and Michael as mine as well, but I, I just felt like I, um, put the announcers too much. So I just decided not to do an announcer this week. And I went with, uh, Macho Man. How sad. I, I thought that his little thing he did with, uh, Mongo was lame. I I didn't I didn't think he came across well, and then when he was out with Hogan and Luger, he was just kind of like just like making faces <laughs> in the camera, and I'm just like, oh, whatever. It's I I you know Macho, <laughs> you, you did nothing for me tonight. Okay, fair enough. Yes, <laughs> we might also talk about who our main event status star is for yep. me. It's the one, uh, the only, the owner of the WCW World Heavyweight title, Hulk Hogan. Oh, you're going with Hogan. Because nice. he retained the WCW title on the very first episode of Money Nitro for shouting at Lux Luger for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and also for Prince Bishop putting over Hogan and building Hogan up through the first ni- first Nitro and you building up like this is the guy you guys remember seeing from WWF TV. We have him here defending the our title in the main event, and Hogan defended the title successfully. Sure, yeah, you know I can I can dig that. My my main eventer is going to be uh, Sting. Ooh, um, I just thought he did well. I thought you know that little miniature promo he did had went well. Um, I liked the. Uh, match with him and Flair. He's my guy. Yes. I like this dinner. <laughs> what a man, what a man, what a man, what a standard man. Oh my. Okay, then we might as well go to our top five list for this week. And since you picked the very first ni- episode of Nitro, you also picked the top five list. And you want to describe the list for this week? Okay, sure. My top five list, just I was inspired by the Mall of America setting. And, you know, over, you know, history, there have been a lot of different settings for uh, wrestling outside of just the normal arena setup. So my top five list is the top five unique settings for uh, wrestling events. Okay, do you want to start out with your number five? Do you want me to start with my number five? I can start. Okay. I can start. My number five is more of a general one. Um, it is just the baseball stadium setting, and which is different than the football stadium setting because football, in my opinion, is just kind of like a blown up arena because it's still a square uh, field, whereas baseball, you know, is is more of a round 
a field, so you have to kind of be creative with where they're going to put the ring. So, you know, in the vein of the early, like, Great American Bash 85 or um, the the one AWA Super Clash that was at uh, Comiskey Park, I just kind of like the setting. It's weird because people are going to be way off the off the uh, the ring, um, but you know it, it's a cool look, and especially that you know Great American Bash '85 finale that has um, who I think Flair coming in by the helicopter. Yeah, Flair. You know that's that's cool stuff, and you can only really get that in an outdoor, um, you know, outdoor setting. So that's my number five. My number five is located in New York City. Okay. The Manhattan Center. Oh, okay, cool. Because yeah, also is a host of the very first WWF Monday Night Raw and home of many of the early Raws. I feel like the Manhattan Center has to be one of the most famous arena. The WWF called home for television, and all you know, with it being a ballroom, the Manhattan Center gave the first Raws a unique feel in a edgy, or I guess raw feel. You know, with a low budget and all that, I just feel like it. I just feel like the Manhattan Center gave the early Raws, I guess ECW and ROH and such, and TNA Impact for a while, a uh, unique feel for their shows. Yep, mm-hmm. I agree. That's a good one. Okay, my number four is actually another, yeah, kind of similar to the Manhattan Center a little bit. Um, Going inside, it is going to be the WTBS Studios in Atlanta. So the uh, pre-center stage Saturday nights, the the small um, kind of intimate setting. I like the look. I like the, you know, there's probably, gosh, not more than 100 or 200 fans there, but... Um, they're right on top of the uh, the ring there. It's got the flags on top. Um, I like the look of it. Just <laughs> yeah, that's so that's my number four. The WTBS studios. My number four, three and two are unique. Well, especially four and three, but my number four has to be the parking lot of a local baseball team. Okay. <laughs> How. Yeah, over the summer, I think I mentioned this on a few shows, and especially with last week, how I interviewed James Benson, uh, American Wrestling Federation's referee, one, one of the referees, how the AWF came to St. Cloud last summer, and they teamed up with the St. Cloud Rocks, the well, the St. Cloud minor league baseball team, and you know they had they hosted a couple of matches in a, in the parking lot of the Joe Faber Field here in St. Cloud. Okay. I just thought it was interesting having a ring set up in the parking lot between the two baseball stadiums. Yeah, yeah, that, I can see that. That's definitely cool. And yeah, I just thought thought it was interesting. You know, they had a few rows of chairs set up, and other than that, it was standing room only. And if you bought a ticket for the Rocks game, you got in the show for free. It was yeah. it was a fun experience, especially you know sitting outside in the nice. Summer heat, you know, when the sun sun was starting to go down, enjoying some local professional wrestling. Nice. Good stuff. Okay. My three is also outside, but mine is, and it's funny, so Wikipedia lists this location as 
the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mine is the location for Bash at the Beach 95, which is the beach in Huntington Beach, California. I think it's cool that, you know, um, outside you got the sun, you got the sand, you got... You know, uh, they call it Bash to the Beach. It's on the beach. I like like pretty much everything about that one, except the show wasn't very good itself. But outside of that, uh, the location's cool and, and interesting. Like your choice. And your choice kind of ties in somewhat with my, next, with my number three. Okay. My number three is outside lawn of a local bar. Okay. Uh, another... <laughs> Another house show that I went to uh, the AWF last summer was the, I don't remember which bar it was, but it was a bar off of Highway 65 in Ham Lake, Minnesota. Okay, cool. Now they teamed up, with a, teamed up with a local bar in Ham Lake where they set up the ring outside and you brought your own chair. So you brought your own lawn chair to sit down and watch, watch you know, some wrestling matches. Okay. And just like you know, my number four, the parking lot of a local baseball team. It was a fun and unique experience. You know, it was. You know, I think I think one of two. You know, those two were my two out sitting outside and watching professional wrestling five feet away from me experience and all that. And I can't remember the. What th- as well, I don't remember the guy's name on who was in with the AWF, but he. I know his last name is Mercury, and in the crowd at that. At that Ham Lake Bar show, how you're yelling at him, Barry Windham. Okay. Because he kind of looked like, like kind of looked like Barry Windham. Okay. And he was in a tag team match in the main event, and his partner who was a, you know, both of them were bad guys, and you know they were kind of making fun of it. And one of the good guys who, his name is Bolt, you know, the Bulldog, and kind of like a Mad Dog for Sean kind of character. And yeah, yeah he kept on saying, kept kept on yelling at that guy. Come on, uh, come on, Barry Windham, come on! <laughs> so that that was fun, and that has to be my number three. Cool. All right. Um, my number two then is going to be, um, oh, all the spring break nitros at Cobble Vale in Panama City Beach, Florida. Unique for me and awesome for me because somebody always ended up in the pool. That's it. Because it was it was interesting and, and better than just the Bash at the Beach thing because it was actually like in the the pool surrounded it and uh, you know somebody always ended up in it so fun to see and fun to know who, you know try to guess who is going to end up in the pool at the end of the night. Good choice. My number two has to be local high school gyms. <laughs> nice. You know, tied in with the theme of the last two picks. Yeah, uh, was it two weekends ago? I was at a AWF show at my hometown, in my uh, high school I graduated from, uh, Cambridge Senior High School at the gym, and nice. yeah, and uh, I catch the AWF Sunday Shockwave shows once in a while, and I feel like each high school gives the show a different experience, different unique experience, viewing experience on the bleachers being different and everything else. Right, I would agree with that. <coughs> so yeah, it just is. Fun experience. Nice. Cool. Okay, well, my number one is going to be um, the tribute at the tr- tribute to the troop shows at the military camps, Camp Victory in um, Iraq, um, the ones that they've done in Afghanistan, even the ones that they've done here in uh, the U.S. Because I just think, you know, they always come across great. They're very interesting 
you know, locales and the fans are always awesome. The, the troops that they're honoring there, you know, they always come across really well. Um, and, and it's just a great atmosphere and a great thing that the WWE does. So my number one is located in Bloomington, Minnesota. Okay. All right. The mall of America. Nice. Since we talked about it, <coughs> damn coughing. Gave it a very unique experience, and we pretty much talked about talked about it the whole podcast. Uh, it was just unique to see what fun shops were around back in 1995. Sure, yeah, and all that. So yeah, gave it a gave it a unique experience. So, so before we wrap up the show, that I mentioned on Twitter a few weeks back about on the me going to the AWF show a couple okay. weeks back on Saturday, September 13th. Nice. And I brought it. Well, I only mention that because I saw one of your Beverly Hills favorite professional wrestlers. Who's that? Ryan Cruz. Oh yeah, no, I yeah, I really like Ryan Cruz. I do like him. Tell us on the podcast. Tell us on the podcast how you know personally Ryan Cruz. I don't know him personally. Well, he's you know my, of him. He's my Facebook friend. I know that much. He went to St. Cloud State the same time we did. Um, but I just, I really like him from um, Shikara shows, the North Star Express. He and Darren Corbin are really uh, fun to watch. They're a great tag team. Um, I like, I saw them at, I saw both of them at the Warp Tour one time. So, oh, actually, I should have put that as my interesting um locales for wrestling because that that was a, at a concert and it was just the ring set up in the middle of the of the concert festival there That's so funny. that was pretty cool but yeah so yeah i like i like him he's one of my most favorite independent wrestlers yeah yeah because i know yeah he was he opened up the show with uh craven knight which i talked about last week on the special cast number four with james benson and fun definitely had fun times i wanted to tell you guys about to go out and support your local wrestling promotion definitely because that's, yep, that's the only way that that people get onto, you know, the big stage is they need to cut their teeth somewhere. So definitely do it. So yeah, because I know, yeah, I enjoy, you know, both of us enjoy Ryan Cruz, and last week I mentioned, you know, some other guys who I enjoy like Craven Knight and Ariel Devari and all that. So yeah, just go back and listen to the show. I know we talked, James Benson and I talked about a few different guys. So yeah, you know, go out and support your local indie promotion. Mm-hmm, definitely. And before we do our plugs, just in Beverly Hills. Oh, gosh. From the main event status offices. Okay. I want to advertise a public appearance. Oh, okay. Next week, I, the Dirty Dog Darcy, will be rec- be a guest on oh, What boy. a Maneuver. <laughs> I was like, where are you appearing? Are you signing autographs at some grocery store or something? No, okay, yeah. Maybe Jack. Yes, you'll be on what I'm over. I'm excited to hear you, man. The I'm game, super excited. The game plan is <laughs> next week we'll be recording an episode reviewing the 1997 December In Your House pay-per-view. That In Your House Degeneration acts. I'm I'm psyched for you, dude. I totally am. With the main event featuring Shawn Michaels defending the World Wrestling Federation Championship against Ken Shamrock. 
Ooh, that should be good, man. And also on the card, the very first light heavyweight championship match. Okay. And nice. Sergeant Slaughter versus Triple H in a boot camp match. Oh, I remember that one being good. So, yeah, so I will definitely mention it on the podcast, you know, in, in a few weeks after it gets recorded. And once it gets uploaded and on air, I'll definitely uh, put it on my Twitter account. I'll put it on Facebook, too, free listeners. So uh, check it out. Do it, do it. So you can find us on Twitter. Beverly, where, where can we find you on Twitter? At Beverly Hills M-E-S. For me, it's the Dirty Dog, M-E-S, dog as in D-A-W-G, <coughs> facebook.com backslash main event status radio, all one word. Check out our <laughs> website, main event status.com. That's main event status.com. <laughs> and also on iTunes, you know, search us out on iTunes, rate, review us, help us bump up the charts on iTunes. Bump it, bump it. Also, talk to us on Twitter, Facebook, our website, and all that. And like I said, I you know plugged in our my appearance on What a Maneuver. Should be fun times, and that's uh, a fun podcast. <laughs> so, do you have anything uh, anything to plug this week, Beverly? Ah, uh, no. Just the, that the superpowers, the mega powers, Dirty Dog, and uh, Mister Beverly Hills will be meeting in person. Two weeks to oh. the day. Oh. Yesterday, Friday, for the rehearsal and then the wedding of one Mr. Beverly Hills. Oh, that should be exciting. <laughs> sure, sure should. So, yeah, also, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, if you guys want to follow our month of first, next week on the podcast, we will be reviewing the very first WCW Clash of the Champions. Woo! So yeah, for Beverly Hills, I am the Dirty Dog, and we'll talk to you after the matches. He then talked about the Hulkamania Stroke, which sounds lewd. Someone needs to make a song out of the Hulkamania Stroke. Yes. Let me ask you a question, Hulky. Are you a bad guy or a good guy? Well, on camera, brother, I'm a great guy. But when that camera goes off, brother, oh, it's a different story, brother. Oh, brother, brother, brother.